Good morning, everyone. Here we are today to read the chapter three from the book called Life of Swami Vivekanand by his Eastern and Western disciples. We finished the first chapter on ancestry and the second chapter on birth and childhood. We had uh, prepared the summary notes for the first chapter, but I failed to prepare the summary notes of the second chapter, that is, on birth and childhood yesterday. I do that today. So I was, as a result, a bit in dilemma because since I did not uh, prepare the note, I was thinking, should I proceed to the ch chapter three or not before preparing the note for chapter two? Then I can say that probably such books are so addictive that you really do not tend to break a habit that you are starting to build. So somewhere in my mind, the desire to read the third chapter was stronger than the calculation of, you know, making a note of chapter two first and then going ahead for the chapter three was stronger. So as a result, here I am with the third chapter, early education and glimpses spirituality. It starts from page number 27, and it continues till page number 45. So let's begin. Early education and glimpses of spirituality. In 1871, when Narendranath was eight years old, he entered the ninth class, equivalent to the present primary class two. In the English department of Pandit Ishwar Chandra Vidyasagar's Metropolitan Institution. Uh, just give me a moment. <clears throat> In the English, um, in the English department of Panditishwar Chandra Vidyasagar's Metropolitan Institution, that then situated on Shukia Street, Vidyasagar School was famous at the time, and so it was that boys of Norin's family used to be students there. During the first days of Norin's attendance at the Metropolitan Institution. His father dressed him in trousers, but every day they got torn owing to his high spirits. He was unusual in his restlessness. At school, he never really managed to sit at his desk. It was a sort of compromise between sitting and standing with frequent change of position. When he played, he played furiously. Among the games were marbles, jumping, running, boxing, and cricket, at the last of which he had been proficient from his early youth. It was left to him to arrange the play program for the following day. Quarrels often arose as they do among boys, and it was to Norin that the others came for settlement. He disliked quarreling. Above all, he could not bear to witness a physical fight. If such a climax occurred, he would rush between the contending parties, often at the risk of blows from both sides, 
but he was master of such situations for he had learned boxing even at this early age he was the foremost boy amongst them all in all things his exceptional intelligence was at once recognized by both teachers and classmates he was the first not only in play but in studies as well to those whom he loved among his fellows he was kindness itself should anyone become hurt or ill in a party he had taken for a boyish excursion he would give up the prospect of fun to attend on him for instance one day he went with 20 or more boys to see the calcutta fort one of the party complained of pain while others joined in a laugh at the sick boy's expense and went ahead left alone the boy sat down on the ground his pain growing worse norin had gone with the party but suddenly he turned and said it may be that he is seriously ill you boys run on one of us must go back to him so i will go he retraced his steps just in time the boy had been overtaken with fever norin assisted him half carrying him to a carriage nearby and took him home around this time he also saved a child and its mother from being by a carriage and seriously injured hastily snatching the child with one hand he pulled the mother out of the danger with the other it was this spirit of self sacrifice in norin that made him the idol of his fellows and so deep was the impression he made upon most of them that later on in their college days they followed his lead in matters of grave importance the two the two traits restlessness and kindness were among the prevailing characteristics of norin's family and of norin himself norin's restlessness so called was the visible expression it seems of an immense dynamism and immense energy and aspiration it took various forms high spirits adventurousness ardor thirst for knowledge and travel and dissatisfaction with monotony monotony and stagnation it was this dynamism that later took him round india and then round the world it was this dynamism again that created in him a spiritual restlessness the same restlessness that is at the back of the hindu monks struggle for complete liberation and is only satisfied by the realization of the infinite kindness also as we have seen chelsea was a quality of norin's throughout his life soon after his entrance into the metropolitan institution Norin was told he would have to learn the English language but he was really unwilling to do so it was a foreign language he said so why should one learn it why should one not first of all become master of one's own tongue he refused flatly and went home crying to his father and mother but they too said it was necessary and again he refused then his old relative nishim hadatta of whom norin was especially fond heard of his obstinacy he took norin aside and talked quietly to him at first to no purpose only after several months did he follow his advice and start to study english but once started he studied it with an earnestness that 
surprised everyone and later became master of the language and this was indeed imperative his words in english have since become a new gospel through english he gave voice to his mission and expression to that which he himself was the center of a spiritual world impulse many other stories told of narendranath's school days revealing him as full of force and vitality fond of play and boyish delights like other lads he played pranks and called his friends by nicknames of his own devising picking some from story books and fables or various other sources noren was still the devout admirer of mendicant monks to see one was a moment of pleasure for him if the meeting took place at his home he would anticipate and fulfill the sadhu's needs as far as he could and the monks always blessed him for his eyes spoke volumes and it is in the eyes that the monks see the soul reflected the longing to be a monk himself was always in noren he often thought of the time when he would be free to follow that life in his boyish fervor he would tell his friends what he would do where he would go and so on and to sing his companions also often would he ask a newcomer to the metropolitan institution if there was an ancestor in the family more particularly a grandfather who had adopted the sanyasi's life if the reply was positive noren would regard the new lad with special favor sometimes the boys would get together and in play try by reading another's palms to foretell the future noren was the chief palmist of them all he told them that he would book there was no mistake about it see he would say triumphantly there is a sure sign of sanyasi and he would point out certain lines on his hand which an old man had once told him were characteristics of the tendency to monkhood others were also eager to learn their fate in this respect all of them wanted to be sanyasis because noren wanted to be but as fate would have it they were to be disappointed even at this early age noren evinced impatience with superstition and fear no matter by popular tradition as he himself expressed it to a disciple in later years from my boyhood i have been a daredevil otherwise could i have attempted to make a tour round the world almost without a penny in my pocket an incident that occurred around this time is illustrative of his daredevilry which is to say courage and independence of thought and action to the house of a certain friend he would often have recourse as to a refuge from the monotonous moments that come even to boys there was in their compound a favorite tree from which he loved to dangle head down it was a champak mich michelia champasa tree the flowers of which are said to be liked by shiva and which hindu boys would go a long way to collect this the flowers of this tree that norin also loved one day as he was swinging from the tree the old and nearly blind grandfather of the house recognized his voice 
which he knew and loved so well. The old man was afraid that the boy might fall and that he might himself might lose his chumpaka flowers. He called Norin down and told him that he must not climb the tree again. Norin asked the reason. The old man answered, because a Brahmaditya, which is a ghost of a Brahmin, lives in that tree and at night he goes about dressed all in white and he is terrible to look at. This was news to Norin, who wanted to know what else this ghost could do besides wander about. The old man rejoined, and he was the next of those who climbed the tree. Norin said nothing, and the old man went away smiling to himself in triumph. As soon as he had gone some distance, Norin climbed the tree again just to spite the ghost of the Brahmi. His friend remonstrated, the Brahmaditya is sure to catch you and break your neck. Norin laughed heartily and said, what a silly fellow you are. Don't believe everything just because someone tells you. Why? My neck would have been broken long ago. If the old, man, if the old grandfather's story were true. Only a boyish lark it was true, but significant when viewed in the light of later developments. A forecast of the time when as Swami Vivekananda, he was to say to large audiences, do not believe a thing because you read it in a book. Do not believe a thing because another has said it is so. Find out the truth for yourself. That is realization. The father of this friend of Norin's loved him very much and had great hopes for his future. On one occasion, finding him dangling from the forbidden tree, he called him into the house and asked, Do you play all from one house to another? Do you never read? Norin answered, Sir, I both read and play. Then he was put to the test. He was examined in geography and mathematics and was made to recite poems. To the surprise of the strenuous examiner, he did himself well. Then the questioner blessed him and asked, Who is there to guide you, my son? Your father is in Lahore. Norin assured his friend's father that he read in the that he read in the morning, and that his mother guided him. The man, though he said little for fear of flattering Norin, saw the greatness of the boy's intellect at once. He watched Norin's career with keen interest and saw fulfilled what he had predicted when he gave his blessings. My boy, you will be a man among men. I give you my blessings. Norin could indeed both read and play. He manifested remarkable elasticity in preparing his daily lessons, one hour being sufficient for him to master them. He had a prodigious memory. He could read through a book very fast and in no time have it memorized. Small wonder then that he could be the foremost student in his class at school and still have long hours left for fun. Only during two or three months before examinations did he apply himself strenuously to his studies. He showed proficiency in English, history, and Sanskrit, but had great distaste for mathematics. And in this, he was like his father, who was, who was wont to speak of mathematics as Grosser's craft. Although Norin generally kept good health, he suffered from chronic despair for some years during this time at the Metropolitan Institution. 
He became very thin and felt a strong craving for certain foods that were especially harmful to him. This, however, in no way depressed his nature, neither his studies nor his vitality suffered. He was energetic as ever and as merry, as kind and as courageous. Not all of Noren's recreation involved his strenuous physical activity. In childhood, he had a fine hand for drawing pictures. He also had a melodious voice and could pick up a song by listening to it once at a theatrical performance. With his class, Norin mingled intimately. Whenever there was leisure at school, he either played with them, told stories, sang songs, or made them laugh with his expert mimicry. Often he teased his friends or played pranks on them, but he never harmed anyone. And through it all, he would draw everyone to him, making them his own. In five minutes, he could wean anyone over. He could outwit anyone in talk. And none could outwit him. He had wonderful presence of mind and seemingly endless capacity to extemporize and never be morose. He knew very well how to make others laugh and he kept all his classmates charmed. In him, there was immense pent-up strength. In London, many years later, Swami Vivekananda told Mr. E.T. Study, one of his English disciples, well, Study, in my childhood, I used to observe an inexhaustible force arising in me, overflowing my body I used to become restless and could not keep quiet. This was why I used to fidget all the time. If I had not read, I would turn to making mischief. If I had been made to sit quietly for three or four days, I would have either become seriously ill or have gone mad. My insides would all the time vibrate, as it were, and make me restless to do something. But even in the midst of extreme restlessness, he was occasionally noticed to have been overwhelmed by some inspiration, as though his mind had traveled far away from his body. He then appeared to be gazing at something in the air, and his face would turn so grave that to the di dismay of those watching him, all his laughter and fun would vanish. Sometimes, after keeping quiet for a while, he would speak out. I shall become a king, I do this, I shall do that. Or he would go on prattling, this has to be done that way, this will be done this time. It would seem that his words at those times had no relation to anything he had been saying or doing just before. Sometimes he would burst into loud soliloquy. At these times he would become a different boy as it were. When that mood would pass, he would return to normal and stand blinking and wrinkling his face in embarrassment, and then he would become the same naughty billet again. Observing him behave like this now and then, his playmates, either out of affection or mockingly, would often call him Pagla billet, which means crazy billet. Billet is a very good boy, they would say. He is great in laughter, fun, and merrymaking, but he is a bit crazy. Sometimes there is no knowing what he will say. There were many trying experiences in Noren's boyhood, but none more so that, than that which he had one morning in the classroom. 
the incident shows the boy's innate fortitude and the difficulty of intimidating intimidating him one of the teachers of the institution was a man of very ugly temper and given to beating the boys severely when he thought that discipline was needed one day as he was severely castigating a boy norin began to laugh from sheer nervousness so revolted was he by the exhibition of brutality i repeat one day as he was severely castigating a boy norin began to laugh from sheer nervousness so revolted was he by the exhibition of brutality the teacher now turned his wrath on norin raining blows on him and demanded that he promise never to laugh at him again when norin refused the teacher not only resumed the beating but seized him by the ears as well even going as far as lifting the boy up from the bench by them and damaging one ear so that it bled profusely still norin refused to promise bursting into tears of rage he cried out do not pull my ears who are you to beat me take care not to touch me again luckily at this moment pandit ishwar chandra vidyasagar came in norin weeping bitterly told him what had happened then taking his books he declared that he was leaving the school for good vidyasagar took him to his office and consoled him later an investigation was made to the disciplinary measures obtaining in the school and steps were taken to prevent any repetition of such incidents orin's mother in whom he always confided heard of it he, she was greatly incensed she begged the boy not to return to the school and the following day as though nothing had happened for a long time his ear did not heal even as a boy norin was strong minded and fearless before the incident just mentioned he had been assaulted by another teacher who thought he had made a mistake in geography norin insisted that he was in the right angered the teacher ordered him to stretch out his hand norin did so and was struck on his palm time and again he did not murmur shortly after the teacher saw that it was he himself who had been in error he apologized to the boy and then held him in respect on this occasion as well norin went to his mother who consoled him and said if you are right my boy what does it matter it may be unjust and unpleasant but do what you think right come what may many times he suffered many times he was misunderstood even by those nearest to him when he adopted a course which to them seemed strange but which to him was inevitable because in his opinion it was right the maxim he had learned and which he followed always in life was stick to your guns dead or alive since norin hated monotony every day he had to invent new pastimes but he was so pure and the training he had received in the family was so excellent that he never took a false step truthfulness was the very backbone of his life and his fun was always innocent further as he grew older his liking for meditation grew ever more intense and serious 
was beginning to meditate during the night and soon was blessed with some wonderful visions and these even as his daytime activities and restlessness continued unabated for fun norin organized an amateur theatrical party and presented plays in the worship hall of his home but after a few performances his uncle became annoyed and broke up the stage next norin started a gymnasium in the courtyard of the house where his friends used to do regular physical exercise this venture flourished for some time until one of his cousins broke his arm again the uncle showed lack of sympathy this time destroying the equipment of the gymnasium thereupon norin along with his friends joined the gymnasium of shri navagopal mitra finding the suitable place which was situated on cornwallis street norin applied himself earnestly to physical culture and gradually attained proficiency in lathi play playing with long sticks fencing rowing swimming wrestling and other sports once at a physical training show uh, at a physical training show and hand, handicrafts fair he carried off first prize for boxing a handsome silver butterfly at the same fair one of his sisters won the first prize for needlework on velvet norin had special enthusiasm for lathi play in this sport he took lessons from a number of mohammedan experts and acquired considerable mastery when 10 years old and a student of the metropolitan institution he was present at a display of gymnastics after some time when lathi play was going on and interest was sagging norin suddenly challenged anyone to cross lathis with him the strongest of the participants took up this cha- his challenge as soon the latter two were clashing norin's opponent was a and stronger person and so the outcome of the bout seemed to be a foregone conclusion yet such was norin's skill and courage that he won the enthusiastic won the enthusiastic applause of the audience unmindful of it and deftly maneuvering himself norin all on a sudden gave such a resounding blow that his opponent's staff broke into two and fell on the ground signifying total defeat norin had graduated so to say in his training he won the day and there was no end to the rejoicing of the spectators ever averse to passivity norendranath always led an active life when he was not busy at the gymnasium he would show magic lantern pictures at home or he would go out in the evening on his pony which his father had bought for him riding was one of his favorite pastimes and gradually he mastered the art besides his fondness for animals noted earlier norin also kept pigeons white mice with tiny bells and parrots he also used to amuse himself in making toy gasworks and aerated waters which had been newly introduced in calcutta at that time he even interested himself in manufacturing toy railways and all sorts of machinery about the gasworks his younger brother writes as follows with all zinc tubes earthen cooking pots and straw he made his gasworks in the outer 
courtyard of the house. The straw, when lighted, gave out a peculiar smoke, but to his mind it was a miniature gas works, which lighted the whole city of Calcutta. It was amusing to see his gas works and himself as he stood with arms akimbo, gravely looking at his contrivance uh, as the smoke issued forth. Sometimes, however, he would express disapproval by turning up his nose, a family peculiarity, and impatiently ordering his playmates to put more fuel on the fire or to blow more fiercely whenever the smoke rose up too sluggishly. At this time, he conceived the idea of learning to cook. He induced his playmates to subscribe towards the project, he himself bearing the part of the expense. He was the chief cook and were his assistants. He cooked different sorts of khichuri, meat curries, and other good things. Although he was inclined to use too much chili, sin uh, pepper, this, his cooking was excellent. And the group of gastronomists remained together for a long time their art thoroughly. With every family in the locality of whatever caste or means, Norin established some sort of relationship and they looked on him as their own. Did any boy nearby suffer bereavement, Norin would be there to console him. At other times, he kept everybody amused, elders included, with his ready wit and merrymaking. His handsome appearance, his musical voice, his jolly temperament, his good taste and manners endured him to all. He was a sort of life-giving spirit to everyone of the locality. Naturally, Norin was also greatly loved by his brothers and sisters, whom he in turn loved dearly. At night, before going to bed, they would pester him for stories the stories which he had heard from his mother, maternal grandmother, and her, and her mother had become his own. And by this time, he himself had become a fine storyteller and actor. His little brothers and sister would also importune Norin for a, high, uh, for a hand shadow show, and he would readily oblige. An earthen lamp on a brass stand used to be the light in their bedroom. By interlocking his thumbs and moving the other fingers against the light, he would show on the wall a flying bat, a rider on a galloping horse. And the figures of deities like Durga, Kartike, Saraswati, Lakshmi, and Ganesh. While Norian's talents for shadow graphing were unquestionably bright, the little onlookers had also to use their imagination. Often, Norin took his friends to various interesting places in Calcutta. It was a garden, another time the, uh, the Octor Colony, Octor Loni Monument, or again the muse museum. One day he set out with a party by way of the Ganga for the Nawab's zoological gardens in at Metia Bars, a suburb of Calcutta. When they were returning, one of the boys became sick and vomited in the boat. The boatmen were annoyed and assisted, insisted that they should, they should immediately clean up the boat. 
they refused to do so offering instead to pay double the offer was rejected on reaching the ghat the men would not allow the boys to land and threatened them while the boatmen were abusing the boys norin jumped ashore and asked two british soldiers walking near nearby for help in broken english he told his tale of who slipping his small hands into theirs he led them to the scene the soldiers understood the situation and ordered the boatmen to release the boys terrified at the sight of the soldiers the boatmen set the boys free without a word fascinated with norin the soldiers invited him to go with them to the theater but he declined and took leave after thanking them for their kindness another delightful story is told of him when he was about 11 years old a british man of war the the serapis serapis visited the port of calcutta when the emperor edward 7 came to india as the prince of wales norin's friends urged him to try your pass for them all to see the ship for this it was necessary to see an english official when norin made his appearance application in hand the attendant at the door thinking him too young refused him entry as norin stood aside wondering what to do he noticed that applicants who, who passed the porter proceeded to a room on the first floor realizing that that must be the room where permits were issued he set about to find another entrance in the rear was a staircase stealthily he made his way to the top pushed aside a curtain and found himself in the room he took his place in the line and when his turn came the application was signed without question as he passed the doorkeeper on his way out the latter said in amazement how did you get in oh i am a magician norin answered as we have seen earlier norin and his friends were members of the gymnasium of shri navagopal mishra mitra who had uh, practically left its management in their hands one day while they were trying to set up a very heavy trapeze a crowd to watch amongst them was an english sailor whom norin asked to help but as the obliging sailor was lifting the trapeze to help the boys it fell and knocked him unconscious nearly everyone but norin and one or two of his friends disappeared from the scene thinking the sailor had been killed immediately norin tore a piece off his dhoti bandaged the wound sprinkled the sailor's face with water and fanned him gently when the sailor regained consciousness Norin and his friends lifted him up and took him to a neighboring schoolhouse. A doctor was sent for and Nobogopal Mitra was informed. After a week's nursing the sailor recovered and Norin presented him with a modest purse which he had collected from his friends. Another occasion which revealed the boy as the man in the making was when Norin about 14 years of age saved a theatrical performance from disruption the drama was progressing nicely when suddenly right in the midst of the performance a bailiff the stage with a warrant to arrest one of the leading actors on some charge 
He advanced to the actors, saying, "I arrest you in the name of the law." At very moment, a voice called out, "Get off the stage!" Wait until the end of the performance. What do you mean by disturbing the audience like this? It was a shrill voice with an unmistakable tone of command in it, and it was the voice of Norin. Immediately, a score of voices burst out in support. Get off the stage! Get off the stage! And the bailiff retreated in bewilderment. Those about Norin patted him on the back, saying, "Well done, well done. We should not have had our money's worth but for you." Norin's bold, generous, compassionate nature shines on these and similar incidents, together with his presence of mind, incredible energy, and love of fun and adventure. It was such qualities as these. that made him the leader of his companions as norin grew older a definite change in his temperament was noticeable he began to show a preference for intellectual pursuits to study books and newspapers and to attend public lectures regularly he was able to repeat the substance of what he had read or heard to his friends with such original criticism that they were astonished and he developed a power of argumentation which none could withstand one day hearing a friend singing like a professional norin said mere tune and keeping time are not all of music it must express an idea can anyone appreciate a song sung in a, dra a drawling manner the idea underlying the song must arouse the feeling of the singer the word should be articulated distinctly and proper attention be given to tune and timing the song that does not awaken a corresponding idea in the mind of the singer is not music at all we have already seen that norin's father used to travel to various places in central and northern india in connection with his professional work In 1877 when Norin was 14 years old and a student of the third equivalent to the present class age his father went to Raipur in the central provinces knowing that he would have to live there for quite a long time his father Vishwanath had his family brought there shortly afterwards the place was not then connected by railway so one had to travel by bullock cart for more than a fortnight through dense forests full of beasts of prey norin was charged with taking the family there although he had to suffer many hardships he did not feel them at all on account of the wonderful beauty of these forest regions of central india his heart was charmed with the boundless power and envy him who had adorned the earth with such incomparable robes and ornaments he said later when i saw and felt when going through the forest ever remained firmly imprinted in my memory particularly a certain event of one day we had to travel by the foot of the bindhya mountains that day the peaks of the ranges on both sides of the road rose very high in the sky various kinds of trees and creepers bending under the weight of fruits and flowers produced wonderful beauty on the mountain sides birds of various colors flying from tree to tree 
filled the mount uh, filled the quarters with sweet notes i saw all these and felt an extraordinary peace in mind the slow moving bullock carts arrived at a place where two mountain peaks coming forward as though in love locked themselves in an embrace over the narrow forest path observing carefully below the meeting points i saw that there was a very big cleft from the crest to the foot of the mountain on one side of the path and filling that cleft there was hanging in it an enormous honeycomb the result of the bees labor for ages filled with wonder as i was pondering over the beginning and the end of the kingdom of bees my mind became so much absorbed in the thought of the infinite power of god the controller of the three worlds that i completely lost my consciousness of the external world for some time i do not remember how long i was lying in the bullock cart in that condition when i regained normal consciousness i found that we had crossed that place and come far away as i was alone in the cart no one could know anything about it this was perhaps the first time that with the help of a strong power of imagine imagination norin entered the region of deep meditation and was completely merged in it another characteristic of his mind was described by him in these words from my very boyhood norin as swami vivekananda say later whenever i came in contact with a particular object man or play sometimes appeared to me as if i had been acquainted with it beforehand but all my efforts to recollect were unsuccessful and yet the impression persisted i will give you an instance one day i was discussing various with my friends at a particular place suddenly something was said which at once reminded me that in some time past in this very house i had talked with these friends on that very subject and that the discussion had even taken the same turn later on i thought that it might be due to the law of trans transmigration but soon i decided that such definite conclusions on the subject were not reasonable now i believe that before i was born i must have had visions somehow of those subjects and people with whom i would have to in contact in my present world such memories have come every now and then throughout my life in those days there was no school in raipur this gave noren noren the time and opportunity to become very intimate with his father a great privilege for his father had a noble mind vishwanath attracted the intellect of his son he would hold long conversations with him upon topics that demanded depth precision and soundness of thought he gave the boy free intellectual reign believing that education consists in stimulating and not in superimposing ideas to his father noren owed his capacity for grasping the essentials of things of seeing truth from the widest and the most synthetic standpoint and of discovering and holding to the real issue under discussion many noted scholars used to visit vishwanath at raipur the boy would listen to their discussions and occasionally join them introducing his personal views sometimes the elders astonished at his cleverness would treat him on an equal footing a sight which gladdened his father's heart with one friend 
of his father, a great authority on Bengali literature, Norin joined in conversation and took the man by storm, quoting verse after verse and paragraph after paragraph from standard works. So impressed was the man that he said, my lad, we shall hear of you some day. And the prediction has come true. For Narendranath, as Swami Vivekananda, became a significant writer in the Bengali language. His English writings have been praised as well, both in the East and in the West. Even in his youth, Norin sought, nay demanded, intellectual equality with and recognition from everyone. So ambitious was he in this respect that if his mental powers were not given recognition, he would fly into a rage not sparing even his father's friends, and nothing short of an apology would quiet him. Nochiketa of Katha Upanishad fame had also this sense of self-respect refutability. Among many, I am the first, he said, and among many others, I am the middlemost, but certainly I am never the last. I repeat, among many, I am the first, he said, and among many others, I am the middlemost, but certainly I am never the last. Of course, Vishwanath could not tolerate such outbursts of Norin, especially against elderly persons, even though they proceeded from a sense of self-respect. So Norin was each time severely reprimanded, but in his heart, the father was glad that his son was so spirited. Indeed, during this period, Norin had acquired a keen sense of personal dignity. And when he returned to Calcutta from Raipur, he was a changed boy. Even his physical appearance was becoming manly. He had always been physically perfect. and He was now acquiring that regal bearing which made him in after, in after years a notable, a notable figure wherever he went. Further, he was beginning to discriminate in the choice of his friends, accepting only his intellectual peers. But however his temperament might conflict with circumstances and with people, he was consistently large-hearted and generous, for such was his nature and heritage, and he was always loved. In Raipur, Norin learned the old Indian game of chess, and often came out victorious in many hard contests. Again, it was at Raipur that he was taught the secrets and mysteries of the culinary art by his father, for Swami Vivekananda was, like his father, an excellent cook. We have already mentioned that Vishwanath was a lover of music and used to sing himself. He also created in his house an atmosphere to the cultivation of music. As mentioned in the foregoing chapter, he had noticed Norin's love of music and his musical potentialities from early in the boy's life and had nurtured them carefully. He was of the opinion that unless one received proper training in a traditional manner under masters of music, one could not really earn competency in the art. He himself had given Norin his first training in music and now, while at Raipur, where he had more intimate contact with his son, he taught him many songs of various kinds. Later, after the family's return to Calcutta, he arranged for Norin's training in classical vocal and instrumental music under re reputed masters like Beni Gupto. 
also known as Beni Ostad, and later under the letters, letters Mohammedan teacher Ahmad Khan. According to some researchers, Beni Ostad's real name was Beni Odhikari. From Ahmad Khan, Narendranath learned many Hindi, Urdu, and Persian songs, most of them devotional. Ujir Khan, senior engineer Dunika, uh, Kanailal Dhindi, and Jagannath Mishra are also named by some of his music teachers. We do not have conclusive information about his teachers in instrumental music. It has been said that Kashi Ghoshal, who used to play the Pakwaj at the Adi Brahmo Samaj, taught him Pakwaj and Tabla. But according to others, Bini Ustad taught him these instruments. It is also said that he learned Ashraj from Jagannath Mishra. Though Noren learned to play with mastery in Pakhwa, on Pakwaj, Tabla, Ashraj, and Sitar, his forte was vocal music, in which he even excelled the masters who taught him singing. He was taught and trained until he became widely known as an accomplished singer of high caliber. He himself became infatuated with music and with song and practiced for hours in a small room on the first floor of his maternal grandmother's house or at the house of a friend. His companions would often assemble to listen to his music. Noren's own family was charmed with his voice and he often sang to his father, now seriously, now gaily, as the mood took him. Of all his early attainments, music must be counted as one of the most remarkable because his musical attainments at, the, at this time were rather striking. Noren's voice was so lively and sweet that whenever he rendered a tune in a song, the spirit of it became incarnate, as it were, in sadans and beauty. In fact, with Noren, music became a wonderful instrument for the adoration of the divine. It was through music that his first communion with Sri Ramakrishna took place. On listening to his singing, the latter would be deeply moved and to Samadhi. Besides training Noren in music, Vishwanath also taught him some lessons in manliness. On one occasion, Nath went to his father with the question, What have you done for me? Instantly came the reply, Go, look at yourself in the mirror. And there was immediate ending for the son. He knew that his father was a king amongst men. Verily, as the Vedas say, a bull among the herd. There was another time when Noren came to his father for instruction on the ways of the world, asking him what were the elements of real good manners. Never show surprise, said the father. Was it this? Laconic counsel deeply understood and assimilated that made it possible for Vivekanand in his later life to walk with equal dignity into the palaces of the East and West and into the hearts and hovels of the poorest of India's poor. When Vishwanath returned to Calcutta with his family in 1879, there was some difficulty about getting Noren into school for he had been absent for nearly two years. But his teachers loved him and his ability made an exception in his case. The boy then gave himself up to study mastering three years lessons in one and passed the entrance examination in the first division. He was the only student in the school to attain that distinction. 
his father gave him a watch as a reward. While Noren was still a student at the Metropolitan Institution, a ceremony took place at which prizes were distributed to the outstanding and honor was paid to one of the teachers who was about to retire. Noren's class wanted to give the teacher an address of thanks and appreciation. Mr. Shurendranath Banerjee, the foremost national leader of the day, was to be in the chair. Since he was known as the greatest orator of the time, the students felt understandably diffident about speaking before such a distinguished man. They came to Noren in their quandary, and he promised they would speak that he would speak. When the time came, he rose in the gathering and spoke for almost half an hour, telling the retired teacher how the boys felt towards him and how they regretted his departure from the institution. When he sat down, Mr. Shurendranath Banerjee rose and in his speech praised the young speaker. Later in life, this gentleman, at a time when his reputation as an orator was at its height, referred to Swami Vivekananda as the greatest public speaker India had ever known. By the time Noreen had passed the entrance examination, he had acquired extensive knowledge. While in the entrance class, he had mastered a great many standard works of English and Bengali literature. Besides mathematics in the usual school curriculum, he knew something of higher mathematics. He was well versed in such and had studied with much success the history of his own land, especially the standard works of Indian history by such authors as Marshman and Elphinstone. As he paid little attention to textbooks, sometimes he had to work hard on the eve of the examinations. Once he said, just two or three days before the entrance examination, I found that I hardly knew anything of geometry. So I began to study the subject, keeping awake the whole and in 24 hours, I mastered the four books of geometry. At this time, he acquired a special power of reading, which he described as follows. It so happened that I could understand an author without reading his book line by line. I could get the meaning by just reading the first and the last line of a paragraph. As this power developed, I found it unnecessary to read it in the paragraphs. I, f I could follow by reading only the first and the last lines of a page. Further, where the author introduced discussions to explain a matter and it took him four or five or even more pages to clear the subject, I could grasp the whole trend of his arguments by only reading the first few lines. The playtime of boyhood with its joys and sorrows was over for Norin and, and a new life with a more serious outlook dawned for him when in 1879, at the age of 16, he passed the entrance examination and entered the Presidency College early the next year. Hereafter, one sees him as a student intensely in texture. A vast change in his personal life was in the off offing as he stepped from boyhood to youth and into a world of new ideas and experiences. This brings us to the end of chapter three, which speaks about the early education of Swami Vivekananda. I thoroughly enjoyed the read, but it makes me feel at the same time that it's very difficult to make summary notes. I'm really not sure how I will be able to make summary notes for chapter two and chapter three. Chapter one being just ancestry, it's very easily, you know, depictable through 
flowchart uh, mode but uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3 are so much are having so much in descriptive manner and so much sense and feelings just not you know uh, just not pure information but there is some wisdom behind each and every line spoken so i really do not know how will i be able to make notes but i'll try my best and uh, yes this brings us to the end three glad to do that i was in a dilemma that if i should chapter three or not today because yesterday i failed to make notes of chapter two because of because my day was extremely busy but then i could not uh, could not uh, got, get away with the allurance i was having inside to read chapter three as well uh, the plan that i have done to you know read the book daily so thankfully i have read and it feels really nice within i hope you you also um had a good time listening to what i have been trying to read and anyone willing to speak please feel free to grab the mic i'm inviting uh malta welcome thank you for joining shivan and prijay thank you for being there from the start so inviting you to speak if you want to share anything or say anything please feel free to grab the mic and say yes pratik you have the mic yeah good morning everyone so thank you uh, thank you for one another uh, interesting insights that we got from the microphone pratik your voice is little feeble could you please yeah i'm audible now yes much better yeah, yeah okay fine uh, so thank you for uh, one another uh, wonderful session uh from the life of swamiji and uh, it was interesting uh, like very very much uh, great to know like uh, on what all subjects he was mastered like not just uh, uh, having a keen sense of uh, you know grasping knowledge uh, but apart from that his interest was the main thing uh, where he got the chance of learning music literature and all these things so yeah it was very interesting to know about this uh, this chapter i believe it's quite it was quite um, uh, bigger also um, as it seems like the uh, the reading has begin from uh, 10 p 10 am but i was unfortunately on the way to the office so yeah um, it was very interesting to learn about this thing and i wish i could like uh, if uh, of course as you say the summary notes uh, Will be difficult to make for this, or maybe highly likely to uh, be impossible because uh, there are various characters and various incidents involved inside this. So yeah, uh, uh, okay, we'll uh, go through once I get a chance to uh, refer this book or chapter, or you may uh, share some screenshots as well. Uh, we can go uh, go through them. yes pratik thank you for uh, what all you spoke and uh, mm, yes the chapter started at 10 am and it was a big chapter and yes it has many incidences one idea that is crossing my mind is probably you know is i can uh, record and you know make small videos but this is just an idea because doing this kind of work is uh, will literally take a lot of effort and time from me but uh, sooner or later i i uh, want to do that maybe then it will be really you know uh, 
in in short crisp manner things would come up for audiences who are interested yes so yes and this this space is anyway recorded so the part that you missed you can uh, go back and sure. to later on yes yes and thank you very much and as you rightly said uh, it was great to know uh, all the things that he was you know so expert at and was so interested he was so curious and whatever he would start he would excel in everything and just in so young age i i was feeling like forget about becoming swami vivekananda someone like him you know uh, to be as wise or you know you if you have role models like them uh, your life already starts feeling like you know already successful but himself uh, it is great himself uh, to be you know monk of his uh, uh, ashrama uh, because yeah. they are the followers of this advaita philosophy um which is uh, advocates the non dualism of uh, nature of brahma and parabrahma so yeah uh, uh, even if we are able to reach at uh, that level of just having some mental peace also that it would be a great thing for us like common human beings yeah in fact i was feeling like uh, if i if if i ever get a chance to be reborn i would love to live the life of you know live the childhood and uh, the you know uh, the uh, teenage of swami vivekananda the way his childhood was and the way uh, his young age was the, the things that he, he used to do just imagine to be uh, born in a privileged family uh, no uh, no hardship on the financial side as his father had gone through Uh, Swami Vivekananda's father, Vishwanath Datta, was an orphan because Vishwanath Datta's father uh, had uh, taken monkhood when he was just twenty-five, and Vishwanath Datta was a small boy, probably just had taken, you know, he uh, was just born at that moment, probably, and uh, it was just on his mother, Vishwanath Datta's mother, that he was, uh, you know. Uh, brought up and he was under the control and um, you know the guardianship of his uncle kaliprasad datta and kalip kaliprasad datta was not a great man so he was always treated as a orphan he had a very difficult childhood vishwanath datta but uh, he instead of that challenging uh, difficulties you know in his childhood he turned out to be such a, a person who became eligible to be the father of swami vivekananda and uh, and look at the contrast the childhood of swami vivekananda narendranath datta his childhood and his uh, the teenage till that part he had a very comfortable life if uh, if seen from the financial aspect so and and look at it how how well they uh, treated the the opportunities that they had usually when we have a very comfortable life we lay back and we uh, misuse or misuse the amenities or the facilities that we have misuse the time that we have but this this man did it all like uh, did it all i'm just like blown away by these things you know just just to yes. be able to live the childhood and the teenage of this person yes uh, actually actually yeah the actually philosophy of uh, our human life says that uh, we every individual has just uh, um a power of, a super, of being a superhuman like they can do all of those things which are uh, 
an opening in the universe just a human mindset is that much uh, enough uh, to be able to grow but you know it's just like um, in control of us whether uh, to how much extent we are expanding our knowledge um, our concentration uh, so that because ultimately concentration and having focus on the mind is the only thing that uh, is gaining power for our spirit so um, going by that way if we see like we all of this individual has uh, uh, enormous capacity but due to some um, draining and our energy gets drained into various uh, aspects of desires choices and everything rather we need to just have a one focused goal and that was what the ultimate life message of uh, swami vivekananda we can get from his life um see we have modern equipments for music learn literatures and all sources of knowledge and all but what they gain or what our forefathers used to gain without any kind of printing materials and all it's just based on totally having a dedication or having a unidirectional vision so that's what a bigger message from uh, uh, swami ji's life and um i still uh, remember somewhere i read or i had seen in a movie show that until uh, Uh, Swami Vivekanand gained the, uh, you know, the actual samadhi when he used to get um, uh, a direct face-off with uh, Makali. Before that, like when uh, Ramakrishna Paramahansa uh, would say that um, he is in communication with the goddess Kali, and also like the friends of uh, Swami Ji and other else would make the fun of it um, in the very early stage, ever when uh, ever before the. Uh, swami ji became disciple of shri ram krishna paramahansa but later on when he got himself uh, uh, to to be in the consciousness uh, to gain in the super consciousness or enlightenment we say uh, later on he never uh, seen back towards the life uh, of an ordinary people you know so like it it requires and uh, we all are a uh, plan of uh, destiny we all are a plan of almighty and whenever uh, when he the almighty wants to be us to be part of his plan of execution we are not uh, the ordinary people anymore we are the exceptions he creates the exceptions so likewise um, uh, if we see the life of chatrapati shivaji was also the same because he was also offered the sword by uh, tulja bhavani himself herself uh, in the trance state or the we say a higher level consciousness state so it's unbelievable in the modern era when we see this thing or when we used to learn about this thing but yes it's true uh, having gaining the super consciousness state it's just about the mind uh, or mindset even if uh, someone who is unwilling to you know uh, take some risks or uh, putting his life at uh, at a, a stake where uh, he has to deal with uh, uh, might be facing some bigger losses but if he hesitates to do so he he won't get successful he won't be successful ever so it needs to take a courage so first thing second thing it's need a dedication third thing it's need an intention if all these things are then then capability will be automatically bestowed upon us from there yeah that's yes. all Yes, very well said. Very well said. Thank you for joining. Hello, 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 Sunali. Yes, please. Yeah, please. Please go ahead. Please go. Please go join us. Hi, Sunali. Yeah, my audible, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, everyone. 
I just wanted to say, just keep doing this every day, okay? Yes, please. Yes, sure. Okay, I'll take a leave. Actually, I have at my shop, and it's very loudy and noisy here. Okay, I'll I'll join tomorrow. Okay. Sure. Thank, thank you. Hi, Sonali. Yes, Malta. How are you? All good. Thanks uh, for asking, and thank you so much for this session. Though I joined in late, but uh, whatever little I could hear, like you're doing an amazing job, and I didn't know that you've started with. uh life of swami vivekananda because um, i have been interested in him i mean him as a person of late and like prateek said uh that um, you know uh, during his early stage of life in presidency college uh, him and his friends used to mock a lot um shri ram krishna paramhans but uh, once he started like he went through a lot of uh, uh, hardships and then so um he came under like he submitted himself completely to um shri ram krishna paramhans that's when he started getting insights of ma kali and he also asked that uh, why i had to go through a lot many a lot of these things like a lot of hardships which him and his family went through so uh makali said that it was only because i otherwise you wouldn't have searched for for me so yes uh, it becomes like when hardships come in our life it's only to have certain you know positive things come out of it and uh, i'm so glad that you're doing this and if you're doing it on regular basis i would love to join in and hear you and yeah i just wanted to say thank you thank you so very much malta i started it uh, just day before yesterday uh, reading one chapter each day and uh, so far this is the plan that i will be reading every day uh at 9 am ist or 10 am ist like today it was 10 am okay. uh yeah so i'm recording the spaces and the plan is to uh, upload uh, the you know recordings even in my youtube on spotify so that it remains available to the people who ever are interested in other formats like uh, in twitter the recording finishes after one month yeah so, Mm-hmm. Yes, that would be great, and I would love to like wherever you are uploading. I'll just go through your uh, tweets, and I'll for sure read about it or listen to it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Malta. And, It's uh, wonderful. Yes, Prateek. Yeah. So actually, right now around nine or nine or ten, I'm just getting. Your voice is coming very feeble, Prateek. Yeah, audible now. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So actually, this nine uh, o'clock time is actually a time when I get ready for the office, and I'm on the way of it. So perhaps if I'm not able to join, or if I may join sometimes later, I'll go through the space that you create, and uh, will share if I have any insights about this, or if I'm having any doubts about that. I mean, not doubts of, or definitely doubts not gonna be there because. Uh, i'm just having my vessel with me when i'm whenever i'm referring this space so whatever it's there it's just to get filled so doubts won't be there but definitely an insights or any kind of things would be there i'll 
just let you know sure thing sure thing thank you very i i am actually choosing the morning time just because you know when you ever you start your day with spiritual a uh, study uh, the day gets set in a right tone so that is why i am not actually shifting it towards the evening i know everyone is working like my shift actually starts at 2 2 pm uh, my shift starts from 2 pm it uh, goes till 11:30 pm so uh, evening is anyway not possible for me because of that and morning is again spirituality done in the morning it sets the day in the right tone so uh, i hope uh, somehow since you are so interested i hope you will be able to manage the time whenever possible and anyway the recording is always there so thanks once again and malta i wanted to say that uh, really nice interacting with you over the space probably this is the first time we are speaking right uh, yes i was there uh, on one of the spaces i couldn't speak so mm-hmm. interaction per se yes this is the first time yes yes you had and joined quite uh, quite a few um, a time back i mean quite a long time ago in my poetry space i think for a brief yes. period of time yes yes, yes. uh i wasn't keeping well that's why and i am thinking of you know be, being regular uh on twitter so let's hope keeping my fingers crossed and uh, as a matter of fact this is the first space i'm actually speaking right where i am <laughs> speaking yeah <laughs> right and uh, your i just loved your voice do you sing i want to know <laughs> everyone as a matter of fact sonali asked me this and i am a terrible singer like wo sare gade ghore aa jayenge chale jayenge like i sing that bad <laughs> but you really have a sweet voice maybe if you try to get trained sare gade ghore nahi jayenge so bad kis se actually hi hi valta actually you can try it on the Yeah, actually, on the superstar application, like uh, they just provide musics in the background, and we can practice ourselves for you know, and also improvise. Also, they just provide the uh, a pitch marker where we can uh, raise or uh, you know diminish our voices and all. We can maintain. So, if if you are interested in singing, then that application. Oh wow! Nice. I love reciting, but uh, singing to as such, wo bathroom tak thik hai. But then, thank you so much for the suggestion. I really appreciate that, Shruti. Yeah, yes, to add on to that, just uh, one uh, one bit from my end too. Uh, Star Maker is a great tool, Pratik. You're right, but uh, I'm sorry to say that, but I won't suggest anyone who is beginning in their musical journey to go to the Star Maker app because. Sonali, I can't room. hear you. Am I audible now? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to say that uh, Pratik uh, mentioned it very rightly. I have also used the Star Maker app. It's a great tool, but uh, uh, as a beginner in music, I won't suggest uh, to directly jump into Star Maker because uh, it doesn't really give you the training of your. You know, voice training doesn't happen like that. Voice training, if it has to be sincere and serious, it has to go through the actual, uh, you know, way of training through harmonium and all. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. So yeah, obviously. Yeah. So when you have that uh, that understanding of the seven notes very correctly, then you know you can gradually keep on growing. So. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, but that's can... that's my bit. 
<laughs> no, actually, I had some uh, creations of mine, but that sounds terrible. As uh, Malta just said, <laughs> we'll share perhaps if sometimes if. Uh, yeah, yeah, we would love to then... hear that. Ah, that's fine. Uh, yes, great, great, great interaction, and uh, I think uh, we can wind up now. It's eleven twenty a.m. and uh, wish you a very good health, Malta. I wish you recover. Thank you so much. Have a great day, everyone. Great work day, and let's catch up tomorrow again, probably at the same time. Sure. All the best for the day, and have a great day ahead. Bye bye. Thank you. Stay tuned. Bye bye.